The bailout groupthink media condemns mean tweets, Canadian media failed trends on Twitter for the stupidest reasons, and the Laurentian elite punditry has turned on Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. It's Fake News Friday. I'm Candice Malcolm, and this is The Candice Malcolm Show. everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. It's Fake News Friday. This is the show where we break apart the media narrative, where we tell you how the mainstream media is decepting you, how they are misleading you. We point out fake news reports out there, and we really just deconstruct the Canadian media scene to talk about all the various problems. And, and look, we have a media situation in Canada where the overwhelming majority of legacy media outlets are paid for or subsidized by the federal government. This is such a conflict of interest on the most basic level. It's surprising that anyone stands for it. Anyone, especially, you know, you have a legacy media that is full of people who went to journalism school, people who believe in journalism ethics, people who stand and uphold the, the, the value of their profession and talk about how necessary it is that we have independent journalists in the country while also turning around hat in hand and asking for a bailout from the government or lobbying the government for their own special interests or really just pushing advocacy as opposed to journalism. The line between advocacy and journalism has never been more blurred. And look, here at True North, you know that we take strong opinions on issues. We have an entire news division that is fact-based, that presents both sides of the story, that presents the news as it is. And then we have an editorial position, and you see that editorial position come through on shows like The Candace Malcolm Show. You know that we are small C conservatives. We believe in conservative principles and ideals, and we're upfront about that. You know that when you're watching TNC, when you're watching the Candace Malcolm show, when you're on True North, you know that you are getting conservative opinion and fact-based news. Whereas when you go to the legacy media outlets, you are getting left-wing spin, you are getting pro-liberal worldview, but you're not being told that. You're being told that you're delivered the news in a completely neutral, unbiased way, which is simply not true. I wish more journalists would just be honest about who they are, who they vote for, what they believe, and then they can deliver the news. And at least we would be being honest about all of this. But I don't think that's going to happen any time soon. So look, if you're watching this on YouTube right now, please like this video. Don't forget to subscribe to True North. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think of the show or if you have any other uh, show ideas in the future. And if you're watching on Facebook, please make sure you like True North, like this video, share this video, and again, leave us a comment as well. Finally, if you're listening to this show in podcast form over on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, I encourage you, if you're if you're enjoying this content, if you like it, if you tune in every day, uh, please consider leaving us a five-star review. And don't forget to subscribe to The Candace Malcolm Show so that you will never miss an episode. So first, I want to point your attention to this news release and this tweet that was put out by CBC Radio Canada. So it says this, in the wake of the heinous and threatening messages sent to journalists from different media companies, we are joining forces with other Canadian press organizations to denounce hate threats, and online harassments. Hashtag not okay. Hashtag journalist safety. And then it goes to a news release. And we see this little graphic here that shows us all of the various news agencies that are involved in this statement. So let me just go through them all because it pretty much represents the entirety of the legacy media in Canada and then a handful of sort of fringe, independent, far left or leftist uh, news organizations. So here we have, it starts with APTN, which is the Aboriginal People's Television Network. Next, we have Canada 
Canada's National Observer, which is a fringe, far-left, anti-Canadian energy outlet, uh, activism, journalism over there. Next, we have the Narwhal, which is something so small and inconsequential. I imagine that no one watching the show has ever even seen this outlet, but nevertheless, it's included here. Next, we have Bell Media, which owns CTV and a number of other radio stations. Next, we have the Canadian Association of Black Journalists. Then we have Canada Land, which is a leftist media outlet that sort of does media criticism and sometimes they just sort of for no reason go after people like me. Next, we have Chorus, who owns a bunch of radio stations, CBC Radio Canada, the biggest media company in the country that gets $1.2 billion from the taxpayers, La Presse, which is a large French news service, Canadian Press, which is a Canadian wire service, so their stories appear in newspapers and websites across the country. We have La Presse Canadienne, The Walrus, which is a left-wing magazine that has a very, very small circulation and gets almost all of its money from the government. Quebec Corps, another uh, French media station. Post Media, which owns the National Post, a bunch of the regional post media papers, as well as Sun Media. And we have the Globe and Mail. So we have Torstar, which owns the Toronto Star and all of its regional affiliate papers. We have the Canadian Association of Journalists, the Canadian Journalism Foundation, and the Federation of Quebec Journalists. So again, pretty much every member of the legacy media here, as well as the fringe lefty ones, I count uh, National Observer, Narwhal, Canada Land, and Walrus, all included so let's see what this is all about. You click on the news release here. It says a strong, diverse media is vital for a well-informed democratic society. While criticism is an integral part of journalism and democracy, there can be no tolerance for hate and harassment of journalists or for incitement of attacks on journalists for doing their job, that these attacks inordinately target women and racialized journalists. I don't know exactly what racialized means, um, but that speaks to the motivation of the people engaging in this behavior. We are united in supporting our journalists and newsrooms against those who seek to silence their stories and threaten their safety. Together, we will continue to advocate for industry-wide response to end this behavior, which I guess is probably alluding to the fact that all of these media outlets um, support the proposed um, online harm legislation that is coming from the Trudeau Liberals and Stefan Guilbeault, who was the Heritage Minister. I'm not sure if he'll be the Heritage Minister again after this election, but here we see again all the lists of all of the media outlets um, that condemn this hate. So they don't exactly give us any examples. I know there have been some um, screenshots of emails that some journalists have been getting circulating on social media, uh, some, some pretty vicious stuff. But obviously, you know, when we're talking about incitement of attacks or, or threats of violence, it's already illegal in this country. And so the fact that they're trying to advocate for an industry-wide um, reaction to end this behavior. Look, I get it. I'm a journalist. I'm a woman. I'm online. I'm, I'm pretty outspoken when it comes to my opinions online, and I have been for many, many years, and I totally get it. I get some pretty, pretty vicious um, attacks on social media, but guess what? Uh, I don't let it bother me. I don't really read my hate mail. I don't read my mean tweets. I don't let them bother me. When I get a nasty email in my inbox, I usually just delete it without fully reading it, and I don't let it bother me because people just want to blow off steam. We live in a free society. Everyone is entitled to their own opinions. I don't have to let it bother me. I don't have to get upset about it. Some women receive a mean tweet or a mean email and they want to share it to show the kind of abuse that they get. Maybe maybe other people aren't aware of this. Look, I, I have done in the past where I've gotten something nasty and I've decided to share it just to show people uh, a little bit of what's going on. But the idea that all of these journalists are kind of coming together to condemn this behavior, I, I don't know if it's, if it's specifically about those 
those handful of mean emails uh, that were circulating or whether this is in relation to Maxime Bernier, who the media accused of doxing a couple journalists. And, and I went through this on Fake News Friday a couple of weeks ago. He didn't dox anybody. He shared their publicly available emails. Uh, Twitter took that down. And this was all in response because a bunch of journalists decided um, to smear Maxime Bernier and the People's Party of Canada, saying that they're Nazis, saying that they're white nationalists. And Maxime Bernier just simply had enough of it, called them out on their BS. And because of it, they sort of all sniveled and whined and pretended that it was some kind of an attack on democracy. Here, we even see that kind of language in this tweet. It's sort of silly. In the wake of heinous and threatening messages, I'm sorry, the, the definition of heinous is something like beyond belief. You know, when you, when you think of a, of a heinous act, you usually think something like a school shooting or someone murdering their family. You don't think of someone writing a mean tweet, writing an, a nasty email. And, and and look, I admit that this kind of stuff does exist out there. I've seen it. I've been the victim of it. Um, but I wouldn't describe it as heinous. And I think that this uh, reaction by all these journalists to put their names together, put their logos together, and, and sort of what create a united front. Uh, first of all, how come they didn't include anyone from the Independent Press Gallery of Canada? I see, like I said, all the legacy media who all more or less all leaned left or far left. Um, and then they also had to go out and find four uh, independent left wing outlets on there. And I say independent um, very loosely because a lot of them do receive money from the federal government. So they're not really independent. They're just not um, the establishment legacy uh, media. Why not reach out to True North and and ask if we wanted to be a part of this. Why not reach out to anyone in the independent press gallery? There are a whole bunch of right of center or conservative independent media outlets. None of us were included. They don't really consider us journalists. That's the thing. That's the kicker. They don't really consider us journalists. They're journalists. We're not. They're allowed to push advocacy. We're not. They're allowed to have an ideological worldview and, and values that they present. They're allowed to be activists. We're not. Which is why we see such a double standard. When when anyone on the left, any journalist and legacy media gets any kind of a threat, it's, it's a huge big deal and everybody stops and comes together and rallies behind them. When any of this kind of stuff happens, for instance, to Sheila Gunn-Reed over at The Rebel, when she's denied entry into a press conference or when she gets punched in the face at a women's rally in Edmonton, um, none of these journalists say any anything. They were nowhere to be found uh, to defend Sheila when that happened. In fact, a lot of them were accusing Sheila of being the one at fault. Similarly, when my colleague Sue Ann Levy went to a rally and her uh, photographer, cameraman, was um, assaulted, nobody said anything, nobody cared. And for myself, I was the victim of a series of death threats. I had to get the police involved. This is when I was reporting on Khalistani extremists operating in Vancouver, who some of them had connections to Jagmeet Singh leader of the NDP. I reported it as part of the investigative journalism that I was doing at the time. And in response, I got a series of death threats. I got some very serious, specific, credible threats. And they were also leaving things at my house where I live with my family. And so that's when I got the police involved. I was pretty public about it happening. Interestingly, the, the media in India were telling me that they supported me and reaching out to make sure that I was okay. And I didn't hear any kind of support. I didn't see any of that from any of these um, organizations that are listed here today. So let me just say that this is more about politics, more about lobbying for support of the Trudeau government and pushing their uh, what's to come. You know, the Trudeau government's attempts to censor the internet. Um, this is all just the media preposition and saying that they support this kind of measure. And it's, it's just whenever you see 
all the legacy media in lockstep agreeing on something, putting a statement out like this, it's just there to be mocked. And again, you know, you're allowed to criticize journalists. No, you're not allowed to threaten them. No, you're not allowed to incite violence against them, but you're allowed to hate them. You're allowed to say mean and nasty things to people in our society. It's rude and it's not something that I personally advocate for, but it is not illegal and we should not make it illegal. Moving on, I wanna talk about this story. I, I came online. I usually don't come online on the weekend. I'll just say um, my family, my husband and I have started doing a digital detox on the weekends. So we try uh, for most of the day to keep our phones away, turned off, and just especially not go onto social media. We want to be able to enjoy time with the kids. We want to be present. Uh, we want to enjoy our little kids at this stage. Um, and we don't want to be distracted by the phone. And, and, and again, going on social media for me is more like work because uh, of my job and, and I'm constantly um, scanning the media. So I usually don't go online. I can't remember exactly why, but for some reason I went online last weekend and I saw the hashtag Canadian media fail trending on Twitter. I was amused because, you know, this is the theme of my show. Uh, this is, I, I, I devote an entire episode of the Canada's Welcome Show every week on Canadian media fails. So I just clicked on it to check out what was going on. And I was a little surprised because it wasn't what I expected. I expected it to be sort of conservative Twitter, uh, you know, complaining about something that the legacy media was doing, complaining about the CBC, but actually it was the exact opposite. It was liberal Twitter who was angry that the media was covering the Tofino Beach holiday story. They thought that it was a nothing burger, that it was sort of an attack on Justin Trudeau's privacy and his family and their ability to have a nice quiet weekend. And I, I just thought that was sort of amusing that um, there are people on Twitter who believe that the legacy media is what, like a right-wing um, news organization that's trying to take out their guy they're Justin Trudeau, their hero. Um, and so it must be uh, kind of embarrassing for all those people who are really pushing this idea that it was a total fake story uh, when the prime minister himself came out and apologized earlier this week and said that he was wrong. And now we're hearing all kinds of new revelations about the sketchy business dealings of the owner of the house and the fact that he once lobbied the prime minister's office, lobbied Justin Trudeau um, to enact legislation that Justin Trudeau eventually did. It's, it's really, really bad. It's getting worse. I devoted my entire show yesterday on this topic. And if you haven't watched it yet, I encourage you to go over and check it out. But it's true that the media are turning on Justin Trudeau and we're seeing it. We're seeing the Laurentian elite, the people who usually have Trudeau's back, really turning their back on them. So I'll give you a couple of examples of columnists. This week, we had Don Martin over at CTV, a very, very influential journalist in Ottawa, a longtime uh, journalist. Everybody knows him. He's got his finger on the pulse. And he writes this, on a National Day of Indigenous Reflection, the Prime Minister only sees his own. Uh, Tasha Carradine over at the National Post writes about well, this, this, this article is both about um, Trudeau and O'Toole, but it really, really rails into Justin Trudeau. It says, weak leadership leads Trudeau to Tofino and O'Toole into trouble. The lessons in both case is that leadership demands authenticity. A real leader practices what he preaches. I know Tasha Carradine is a conservative, but she is sort of the Laurentian elites um, conservative. Another one from the National Post is John Ivetson. This is a devastating piece, and it says, there are a few signs the prime minister learns from his mistakes. How many 
many times as Justin Trudeau begged forgiveness for transgressions that would probably have seen him fired in the private sector. John Iveson does a pretty good job of recounting all of the various times that Justin Trudeau has been found himself in similar kinds of situations where just total lapses of judgment, really, really bad from an optics perspective, conflicts of interest and ethics violations. Finally, John Ibbotson in the Globe and Mail, who is usually can be counted on to defend Justin Trudeau and attack conservatives. He writes that Tofino trip may only hasten Justin Trudeau's departure. So when the Laurentian elites turn on you, you know that you're in trouble. Um, there are two sort of themes that I want to pick up and criticize, though, when it comes to the Laurentian elites' criticism of Justin Trudeau. By the way, those are just four examples of many, many, many more. There were there were probably hundreds of columns uh, written in the last week uh, of Justin Trudeau and talking about just how terrible his decision was. And, and, and I happen to agree with that. But there were two elements of the story that I disagree with. So I'll go through those right now. First of all, this is just a personal pet peeve of mine. But as someone who grew up in British Columbia, someone who grew up in Vancouver and sort of has come to get used to the way that the Laurentian elites, people from Toronto, Ottawa and Montreal, the way that they talk about the rest of the country, especially the West, and somehow in particular, British Columbia, it almost feels like British Columbia is not really a part of Canada. Like it's a whole different place. It's a different country. And going to the beach in British Columbia is somehow illegitimate. So we see this a lot with Justin Trudeau. I'm not trying to pick on Tasha Carradine because I have quite a bit of respect for her, but there was just one line in her piece that really, really irked me. So here it is, Tasha writes this. She says, Trudeau was caught on camera hitting the beach, but not just any beach, a beach in BC across the country from Ottawa. So this is somehow saying that because the beach was across the country in British Columbia, that what, it makes it even worse. It's almost like they equate going to the beach in British Columbia with again, going to a different country, like going to the Caribbean or going to Hawaii or something like that. And, and they treat it like there's something scandalous in and of itself of going to British Columbia. Well, I've got news to journalists and, and, and I'll just make it clear for Tasha Carradine in this specific line, she was talking about how it wasn't a spontaneous trip. It wasn't just like uh, deciding to pack the car on a spur of the moment trip, but it required planning. But I did see this line in other pieces that there was something um, nefarious because he decided to go out to British Columbia. Well, I I've got news for journalists in this country. I've got news for people in Ontario who have this very Toronto and Ontario centric view of the country. Uh, British Columbia is just as part as much. British Columbia is just as much a part of Canada as anywhere else. It is perfectly legitimate for the prime minister of this country to go to British Columbia whenever he pleases. His family is from there. His mother and his entire side of the family is from British Columbia. He spent a lot of time growing up and in his 20s living in British Columbia. If he wants to go on a vacation to British Columbia, that's entirely his prerogative, entirely within his rights. Of course, the problem here is the whole idea that he went on Truth and Reconciliation Day and he lied about it. So I'm not saying that this isn't scandalous. I devoted my entire show yesterday, like I said, to talking about just how bad this story is. But but just that that, that concept, that, that line that, that's, that's buried in, that, that going to British Columbia was somehow wrong just because going to BC is wrong to me. It strikes me of the Laurentian elite's vision of Canada that basically um, everyone outside of Ontario, especially everything to the west of Ontario, is treated sort of like it's a colony of central Canada. The, the west, the prairies, it's there for resource extraction. British Columbia, it's there for holidays and vacations and nothing else. Well, you know what? People who live in that part of the country are just as much Canadian as anyone else. And the second component of the media narrative that I find off-putting 
quoting and completely wrong is this idea that, that this might hasten Trudeau's departure, as John Ibbotson said, that Trudeau is on his way out and that this is just a sign that Canadians are done with him and he's had enough sort of speculating that he's going to resign. And I'll tell you exactly why this is untrue. There are only two ways that Justin Trudeau would be removed from being the prime minister at this point. He's not going to lose an election. He's not going to trigger election. My guess is that they won't have an election for another four years. But there's two ways where he could stop being prime minister if the party somehow decided to oust him or if he himself decided to resign. Neither of these two things are going to happen. So the first one, the Liberal Party is basically a cult. It's a cult of personality around Justin Trudeau. They love him. He can do no wrong, even though some people have sort of turned on him just in terms of how much of a fake feminist he is, how he's fake woke, all these kind of things. He still has the unveiling support of his, of basically his entire party. They love him. He can do no wrong. And so according to a poll that True North commissioned, Trudeau has the support of 95% of Liberal voters. 95% of Liberal voters told us that they have a positive view of Justin Trudeau. In the eyes of Liberal voters and Liberal members, Justin Trudeau can do no wrong. 95%. That is an incredible level of support for Justin Trudeau. Again, sort of like a cult. They're not going to get rid of their cult leader over something like this, especially as, as I said, you know, the whole fact that Canadian media fail was trending on Twitter. Liberals don't think that Justin Trudeau did anything wrong. And so they're not going to get rid of him. As far as Justin Trudeau himself, the idea that what he's checked out and that he's done, I don't think so. I think he's probably just fatigued from the election, wanted to have some downtime with his family. And, you know, it wasn't too long ago, a couple of weeks ago on the election campaign, media and reporters asked him just that. They said, what are you going to do if you lose this election? What are you going to do if you are leader of the opposition? Are you going to step down? This is what Justin Trudeau said. I am not done fighting for Canadians. I am not done with the hard work Canadians expect for a better future for everyone. So there you have it. He's not done. He's not done. And this was reiterated by Gerald Butts. He told CBC that um, calls for Trudeau to resign are not going to go anywhere. He said, I think retiring from politics would be the furthest thing from Justin Trudeau's mind right now. It's a four-year mandate unless the government is brought down. So again, the idea that Justin Trudeau is going anywhere is nothing but wishful thinking. It is not reflected in any facts or any of the information that we have out there. But again, what do you expect from the legacy media? Thank you so much for tuning into Fake News Friday. I'm Kedis Malcolm, and this is The Kedis Malcolm Show.